Hey Eric, it's good to be with you today. I'm Gary, and this is Eric Barber, who was 10 years uh, CrossFit trainer in Tulsa, Oklahoma. CrossFit so you, gym owner. CrossFit gym owner, okay, yeah. So, so you've done a lot, you trained a lot of, Love. how many people did you say you've trained over the years? So, um, I usually, safely I'd say over 2,000. No it's way. actually closer to 3,000, but that number freaks me out. Wow. But when I say over 2,000, I know that that's true. Okay. You know, well. But, you're a gym owner. I'm a uh, former pastor, so when I hear the number three thousand, that sounds like a mega church. You know, you got like a, a mega <laughs> yeah. gym, and that's, well, that's awesome. That's over the years, coaching yeah. people, you yeah. know, like why not like getting getting in there and getting to know the people and and uh, working with them every day, yeah. a lot of times. Wow, every oh, other so day. Cool. You, know? yeah. you also competed in uh, CrossFit uh, yep. competitions. Yep, what? I've done some CrossFit events. What's that um, like? Is that pretty? Uh, yeah, the uh, back in the early days, in the early days of CrossFit, there were no um, there were no classes, there were no age groups or anything oh, like no. that. Wow. So I was thrown in there with the young guys. You know, I'm almost, wow. I'm almost 50 years old. I'll be 50 in a year. <laughs> and uh, back then, I must have been what 30, 38 or 39 okay. or something uh, in the earlier days. And so I, I was thrown in there with all the young guys and didn't do as well during those competitions, obviously. Um, but once they started having age classes, um, I entered the masters like 40 to 49 years old and, and okay. those I did really well on. Wow, awesome. Yeah. yeah. And um, you also did some Olympic uh, weightlifting, yeah, right? Yeah, I did two, two events. Uh, one was uh, just one that a gym had put on and uh, it was more for fun. Yeah. And it was just, again, in the early days of CrossFit, this uh, CrossFit gym in another city put on an Olympic weightlifting competition. Okay. And I was like, I'm not an Olympic weightlifter, but <laughs> CrossFit has taught me how to do the Olympic lifts. So, um, so yeah, I, I jumped in there, and uh, and I think I think he had weight classes and, and age classes, and I, I did well on that. I think mm. I, I won uh, second place or something awesome. like that. And then, and then uh, about a year later, um, the Oklahoma weightlifting Olympic weightlifting championships were on I said hey what the heck I'll go see what happens and I ended up winning that That's but that was for my age group and my weight yeah. category and there wasn't a lot of competition but even still it was but just still, I mean, like you know, a lot cool, of those yeah. Oklahoma boys grow up on the farm and they're <laughs> yeah. lifting bales of hay yeah. all day long so you, yeah. got, you got some pretty stiff competition there I'm, yeah. I'm sure so and yeah. uh, Eric I would say to those who are listening you you are you know um, I'm you're almost 50 I'm, I'm 60 so but you are the fittest man I've ever met I mean you really? yeah, yeah I've heard of uh, I've heard of uh, Rich Froning, they say yeah. he's the fittest man oh gosh, uh, yeah. ever, but I think, yeah. you're, I don't know him personally, but you, right. you definitely, uh, so I, I like that you're not just uh, telling people what to do, but you're living it yourself. You know, yeah. you get in here and you're obviously working out and stuff, so. Yep, I've been in, I've been in this game for a long time. Um, I owned and, and ran my own CrossFit gym in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then 20 years before that, I was a personal trainer. Oh, okay. Either working in big, we call them Globo gyms or working. Uh, I had a small personal training business okay. right before I started the CrossFit gym. So I've been a coach forever. Even when I've tried to get away from it, like I worked with kids for a while. Mm. I worked on, uh, in psychiatric units working with um, at-risk teenagers. Yeah. Um, even then, I put them all on workout programs. I, I couldn't mm. get away from it. That's cool. You know? yeah. Yeah, and that, so. uh, I bet that made a big impact on their lives. I hope so. Yeah, I yeah. hope so. I know that it brought a lot of the violence on the unit down. Because wow. um, when I would get hired on at these places, I'd walk in and they would say, now you really got to be careful, you know, because it's such a dangerous, you know, we have a lot of riots here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, with these teenagers? And they're like, oh, yeah. And, and 
I just started putting everybody on little workout programs. Every night before mm -hmm. bedtime, I would take everybody through circuits of push-ups and sit-ups and all this and that. And they were so sore the next day they couldn't move. And <laughs> just so the violence cool. on the units just went down. Wow. And it just, God's just always blessed me to be able to walk in and to pretty much anywhere and work people out. Yeah. You know, I've tried yeah. to do other different things in my life and even waited tables for a while and still put it on half of the wait staff on workout programs, you know. So once a coach, always yeah. a coach. Once a pastor, yeah, always a pastor, yeah. you know. Yeah. How, so. how old were you when you started? Working out is that something to even? Um, yeah, I uh, wow. Well, if we go way way back, I was probably ten years old. My father, um, I grew up in Canada. I was born in Rochester, New York, but I think when I was three years old, we moved to Ontario, Canada, and uh, my dad was working with with uh, at risk youth up in Canada back in the seventies. Mm. And I remember he had an office about a mile away from our house. And one night in the middle of the night, not in the middle of the night, uh, late at night, he said, hey, Eric, I want to bring some dumbbells over from the office over to our house. And why don't you go with me? And, you know, any chance to hang out with my dad back then? I was like, yeah, I don't know what a dumbbell is. <laughs> so we got to his office and um, he had a pair of five. I'll never forget this. He had a pair of five pound dumbbells and a, and a pair of 10 pound dumbbells. And uh, he said, I'll carry the tens and you carry the fives. And I, I remember picking those things up mm. and there was an immediate connection. It was the weirdest oh, thing. Wow. Yeah. But uh, wrapped my hands around those, those, uh, those cold metal dumbbells and we had to walk a mile. And I'm carrying these fives and I'm just like, oh my <laughs> gosh, you know? Because it's a mile for yeah. a little kid, right? And my dad was just like, you're doing great, son. And, nice. and I just couldn't believe how strong he was to yeah. be able to hold those 10 pound dumbbells and walk the mile and not even be phased by it. And that was probably my first introduction to, yeah. to that. And it's funny how I've talked to other people, athletes and, and uh, weightlifters and bodybuilders, and they all seem to remember that first yeah. time. So I'd say by the time I was, I, I grew very tall, very fast. Um, I was probably six foot, six foot one and weighed about 150. Okay. So I was just a stick, just yeah. a bean pole. And uh, 15 years old, I was getting picked on a lot. And so... Um, I started taking those 10 pound dumbbells and just sitting there in, in my room and learning how to, mm. how to do bicep curls and shoulder presses and stuff like that and watching my little muscles grow. And then um, the first time I ever walked in a gym, it was, um, it was a little hole in the wall. It was a bunch, I think it was a high school gym and uh, it was later at night and it was filled with a bunch of, in my mind, barbarians. I mean, mm. these guys. You know, they were the oh, okay. older teenagers. Yeah. They were like 16, 17, 18 year old guys. And they were just looked huge to me. And I just, you know, my skinny self walked in there. I was like, whoa, you know, and these guys are clanging iron. And, and I just was like, I don't know what's going on here, but I love it. Wow. And, um, and that was probably my first exposure to Beautiful. a gym, a little, a little, uh, little light bulb you know, a little yeah. tiny weight room back in the late 70s, early 80s. My goodness. And, uh, yeah. Mm. So you grew up in Canada? Tell me a little bit about I did. Your, I did. just your background besides your uh, Yeah, so work, I think workout. we lived there 12 years, I think. Okay. Um, I think we moved there when I was three, and my dad worked with, with kids all those years. And um, growing up in Canada was pretty awesome, man. I'm not mm. going to lie. Yeah? It, was, it was awesome. I was surrounded by uh, the woods. And every summer, my dad, uh, his 
position would change from program director of this company to camp director. Every okay. summer they would take all these kids and all this staff, all these staff from all these different cities and put them right plunk in the middle of nature. Mm -hmm. No running water, completely primitive. Wow. <laughs> Every summer we would live there for two months. So I've I spent a good chunk of my life living in either a tent or a teepee. Wow. And we were we my dad worked real close with um, the Ojibwe hmm. Indians, the Thunder Bay okay. area. And, right. uh, yeah, really neat. And so um, my earliest memories are going to real powwows, not like not the kind that you see yeah, put on put on in yeah, the cities okay. here. I'm talking like backcountry, real powwows and stuff like that. And just um, had a true, just the way I was brought up, just a true appreciation of nature and animals and that kind of thing. Yeah. So wow. yeah, I love that. And great, then... great upbringing. I was never good in school. I was always thinking of comic books and muscles and, <laughs> and that kind of thing, um, or thinking of just nature and outdoors and just, it was, school was very hard for me. Okay. But yeah. you were born, you were born in the U.S. or in Canada? Yeah, born in Rochester, New York. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that's why you have the American flag and not the yeah, Canadian? That's right. No Canadian flag here in the gym? No. All right. Well, we'll no. be looking for that maybe in the future. But uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, being that your background is obviously in the field we're talking about here, mine's in ministry. So I, I always ask the ministry question, but, but uh, tell me a little bit about your, uh, would, would you say you were raised in a faith-based home or uh, is that something that came later uh, to you? Or? No, yeah, not at okay. all. Um, my dad, um, he, there's still confusion as to what his heritage is. Mm. You know, he, he grew up with uh, different fathers and the whole bit and, and uh, he believes it can be traced back to Native American on his father's side. Okay. And, uh, and half Native American, I think, on his mother's side. But none of that can be proven, you know, so mm -hmm. I don't really know. He doesn't still know to this day, but he was brought up in that culture. And, and my mother was pure Catholic. Okay. You know? so, so religion never got talked about. You know, oh, okay. I remember um, early memory, memories of my father going out and praying to the four directions. Wow. You know, Native yeah. American, just like right. And my mom, um, Catholic, so they never really talked much about yeah. that. And um, but we still had a very loving home, very cool upbring upbringing. Um, when I was 15, 14, 15, we moved to South Florida. And what had happened was the government was starting to take over, uh, working with at-risk youth. My dad, um, you know, he was a 70s guy. And, yeah. Things were a lot different back then. And then when the government started taking over and wanted to put all, all the kids on meds and stuff, my mm -hmm. dad was like, I'm out, mm -hmm. just miserable. Could mm -hmm. not stand how it was starting to happen like that. Um, so he had a friend saying, hey, just come move to Florida, man. We'll, we'll get you a job and we'll hook you up. And we'll... Mm -hmm. So we moved from Canada to Florida in the middle of my That's high school years. Wow. And it was brutal. Yeah. It was hard for me. I did, you know, um, not just moving, you know, to a different school, but moving to a different country. Yeah. Left all of my friends that I grew up with and um, was thrown into a, um, a situation where it was all surfers and cheerleaders and, uh, you know, gangs were in the schools and police dogs would walk through the screen. And I was just like, yeah. what is going on? I never... I was still real skinny back then. I uh, got picked on a lot because of my thick Canadian accent. Okay. Um, just hated, mm. hated school, hated the whole floor. It was so humid. 
You know, um, I was used to, um, it was just part of my thing to be able to climb a mountain, yeah. sit up on top of it and chill for hours. Right. That's just when you're in Canada, yeah. man, you, yeah. you can do stuff like that. And, yeah. uh, then I moved to South Florida and it's just all flat. Yeah. And you know, there's skyscrapers and mm. things like that. And I remember I, almost out of a panic one night, I, I climbed a, a hospital. Oh, like wow. I climbed up That's the side amazing. of a hospital. Not just to the get stairs. up high. Not on the no, stairs. No, no, on the outside like of the Spider-Man building. type thing. Uh -huh. Yeah, they, it was a, you uh -huh. know, weird thing where you could reach your hand all the way through. Yeah. You know, huge handholds, huge. And I climbed to the top of that thing just to get up above everything and breathe. Mm. That's a true story, man. I still uh -huh. can't believe I did that. <laughs> you know? But you know, you, yeah. when, you, when you're a teenager, <laughs> yeah. man, you don't really make the crazy stuff. best decisions. Uh -huh. So, But that was, that was the little guy, you know, the... Uh -huh. the the nature guy inside of me just trying to find something that I could, you know. So over the four years, I think that we lived there, four years, um, the only nature that I could really connect to was the ocean. And that just slowly started becoming my new thing. Um, during those four years, uh, like I said, I got picked on a lot. So I got into martial arts, got into Shotokan karate, um, and, uh, then uh, I was a wrestler. I, I tried playing football, broke my collarbone. Mm. And then um, I always grew up naturally athletic, but not in formal sports. When I moved mm. to Florida, there was all these formal sports yeah. everywhere. And so I just started jumping into them and uh, wrestling seemed to be my, okay. my, number, one, mm. my number one thing. And, and I really enjoyed the hardness of the workouts. I had a great coach. Um, he was awesome. And uh, pushed me to a level that I didn't know was humanly possible. Yeah. And uh, just again, fueling that, that desire to be an athlete. And well, that's where you, that's where you got your coaching train, your, your way you train yeah. us is you, you do push us. That's which I, I would I say that, that yeah. my dad gave me a lot in the sense of um, strength, uh, more of a stoic strength. Mm -hmm. And the coach, Coach Dawkins from uh, my early Florida years, he instilled an absolute toughness yeah. that I didn't know was humanly possible. You know, um, um, that's it was, yeah, it was very cool. fortunate because there's so many young men growing up today without any kind of father figure or yeah. somebody telling them about what yeah. it's what it's like to be a man, to be masculine. To you know, it's almost like yeah. training men to be effeminate now is is in vogue and you know, rather. So I'm glad you had that. And, and Just to put a cap it. on that yeah. story, though, real quick. That was my long answer. So the faith thing came in uh, in Florida. My father had a radical um, transformation. He became a born-again, spirit-filled Christian oh, wow. and said, hey, everybody, we're gonna start going to church now. Mm. And, he, and he chose an Assemblies of God church. And we were just like, what is going on? Again, it, the, Florida, those years for me, was extremely hard. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we all became a Christian family. And I remember accepting Jesus in my heart in a youth group um, more because, well, because of the preaching, it was more because I didn't want to go to hell. There was no real relationship fear, fear with Jesus. It was out. a 100% fear bait. They yeah. scared the hell out of me. <laughs> and so um, I did not want anything to do with hell, yeah. you know? And so out of fear, I accepted Jesus in my heart. And hmm. my dad kind of went off the deep end during those years and I completely broke away from him. I just, mm. uh, mentally, I just um, didn't do well with that time in my life. And so thankfully I had the athletics to just keep 
because I probably would have turned very destructive mm -hmm. had I not, yeah. you know. Um, and so by the time I was 18 years old, 19 years old, um, I just moved out. I just checked out. I was like, I've, mm. I've had it. You left, you left home or were you still at home? Oh yeah, I left you home. Left home. Yeah. So, um, Charlotte, North Carolina, mm. and I got a job at a gym. Okay. You know, you graduate from high school. What do I do now? Yeah. So I got a job at a gym and the owner of the gym, uh, this would have been late eighties before formal personal training mm. really was popular. It was, it was in the early years of that. Um, he pulled me aside and he said, hey, listen, a lot of us um, in my field, we're starting to talk about generating more income other than just gym memberships. Yeah. I want to start taking care of the people on the floor, mm. teaching them how to work out. It's called personal training. Would you <laughs> like me to have you take on that responsibility? And I was just the kid working at a gym, cleaning equipment, mm. shaking hands, oh, okay. yeah. encouraging people. But... He said, I will pay you if you learn from me, I'll pay you how to personal train people. And that was really nice. the early, early beginnings of, mm. of that. Um, and so I became a personal trainer back in 1989, I think it was. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yep. At that time, you're, you'd kind of rejected your, your faith altogether? And then, yes. And then what so when that? I moved out at 19 years old, I think that would have been 1989, 19 years old, um, I literally became a hellion. Mm. And in my mind, I thought, um, clearly, I'm not going to make it to heaven mm. because I'm just so bad. You know, everything that that church had taught me, yeah. um, I felt like I'm like, man, I can't I keep messing up everywhere I go. I just can't live up to this standard. Yeah. You know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't have sex, don't do this, don't do that, don't cuss. Don't. Everything was no, 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 right. no, no. And I don't think you can base yeah. a relationship off the bat right. like that yeah. at all. Right. So I just checked out mm. and I became, um, in my early personal training years, I was young and I just had a rebe rebellious attitude, but then it turned into the drinking and then it turned into recreational mm. drugs mm. and uh, the nightclub thing and just the, the dangerous lifestyle of living, living mm -hmm. that way. Mm. Always going to nightclubs, always hooking up with with people and, and it was just a very dark time mm. of my life and I had a blast, I enjoyed it, mm. you know? I look back on it now and I wish I had not done a lot of that stuff, mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, I hear that a lot, people yeah. have, have regrets, but yep. at some point. I love, I love those years that, the, those years where I was a pure adventurer. Yeah. You know, everything was an adventure, mm -hmm. but I, I don't like the sins that I did mm -hmm. and some of the choices that I made during those times. And um, when I was 25 years old, um, still, you know, coaching people and, and being a personal trainer and, and all this kind of thing, but living this other lifestyle mm -hmm. over here. But then I was very serious about my workouts mm -hmm. and very serious about keeping that going and, and being a good personal trainer. But I just lived like a, a crazy mm -hmm. man. Right. That's wild. <laughs> but when I was 25 years old, I had a, a pretty radical experience with just me and God. And, uh, and I was filthy. I was very, uh, very mm. angry and, and very dark at that time. And the way he reached out to me was so incredibly personal mm. and loving and forgiving that I just was like, I'm all yours. This is, it was that radical. Mm. Um, but that's another whole story. Wow. But no, that's powerful. Yeah. It was, wow. it was, it was night and day. It was a, it was a conversation in a car by myself 
he stepped in and flooded the car with love. Mm. And to this day, I've never come even close, even being a parent, I've never come as close to, be, and I love my kids, man. Yeah. I mean, I am like <laughs> big time in love with my kids. But even still, it was a, a different kind of love that I've never experienced wow. since that day. I love that. Yeah, yeah that's so good powerful. Yeah, to hear to hear somebody that before that your yeah. your mind was on hell or avoiding it or mm -hmm. maybe not doing enough to earn your way into it heaven. It was for the right reasons. Yeah, and God so. chased me. Wow. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I wasn't chasing him; he chased me. Wow. And I was like, uh, man, you can have me if you want me, but I'm like, I'm, I'm nothing now, you know? And he said, absolutely, I want you. Mm. And so um, after that, you know, most of my athleticism before that was fueled from fire. It was fueled from passion and anger towards my dad yeah. and towards religion and Christianity and all the just constantly angry and that was my fuel mm -hmm. and I didn't want to give that up mm. I didn't want to give that was my source of strength and power yeah so when I had this experience with God in my car at 25 years old 1995 um, I remember uh, not long after that maybe a month or two I said hey Lord um, I'm even willing to give up all of my working out mm. because I see I see the the bad things that I've pulled from mm. and uh, God said no I don't want you to give it give it up mm. I'm the one that originally gave that to you yeah but you branched off and tried to pull from other areas to do it on your own it's good and so he let me have it yeah oh good uh, isn't that cool yeah, it is very and cool so That's... as a result I've I've been able to help many 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 other people yeah get healthy and fit I love that you feel like there's a connection between your faith and your fitness life, do, do the two intersect at all, or is it sort of totally decompartmentalized? I don't want to say that what I do is a ministry, right. but I know that ministry happens. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, case in point, I've got um, a guy here at the gym that is really struggling with some stuff. Mm. Okay. Um, some heavy stuff. Mm. And when I met him, and when he first started training with us, he was a mess, mm. a mess, and it. It took everything he could get just to get to the gym, you know? Like that was a big deal for him. Um, but now, this guy, because he started making some good choices and mm -hmm. some habits, I said, if we can just focus on, forget about the workouts, we'll, those will take care of themselves. But if you can just get in the habit of three times a week, mm -hmm. just that one thing, if you can just focus on that, just get here, yeah. I'll do the rest. Yeah. I'll make you laugh, I'll give you hard <laughs> workouts, I'll yell and scream at you, I'll cheer you on. I'll, don't worry about all that. You don't even have to lift the heavy stuff, you can just go light, just mm -hmm. show up. Mm -hmm. You could even show up and not work out. I don't care, just I wanna see you three times a week. And that one thing, he, he, that he could do. Yeah. It took him so a little sure, while, but yeah. that, that's wow. what he could do. And what's ended up happening is he has befriended some of our pastors here that mm -hmm. work out here. Mm -hmm. um, they've spoken into his life. One of the pastors gave him an autobiography book, okay. hand signed mm -hmm. to him. That's, that's cool. And now this guy is starting to come alive. Yeah. And he's putting muscle on, and he's saying no to a lot of the, a lot of the things that he had coming in here. Yeah. And so ministry happens. Uh, it happens in other ways too. A lot of times, if I do my job and if I stay close to God, and I'm listening and I'm mm -hmm. trying to, you know what I mean? I'm mm -hmm. paying attention. Totally. Yeah. 
and I look at this as serious, a lot of times I'll say the right thing to, the, to a person that I don't even know is what they needed to hear at that time, which I'm mm -hmm. sure you can understand. Right. You, same thing with you. Yeah. If you are staying close to God and yeah. doing what you need to do, mm -hmm. and then when you're talking to somebody, you see them light up and you don't, <laughs> you don't even know what you said, and then later on <laughs> they can say, yeah. you're not gonna believe this, but when you told me this, it was like God speaking right through yeah. you. So that kind of stuff happens. Am I trying to do that? No. Right. no My job is to way. get people lean, healthy, yeah. strong, and fit. Yeah. My job is not to turn this into a religious yeah. experience at all. But does it happen here? Absolutely. Yeah. I see it all the time. I keep a lot of that stuff to myself. That's yeah. not for me to. Sure. That's that's his deal. So. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. No. I, I, does that answer your yeah, question? Yeah, it does. Yeah. No. I, I think the connection that I'm thinking about though has more to do with the. I guess I call it the, the, the spirit and body connection, how, like, I'll just give you my short story here since, sure. since coming here, sure. now, maybe getting close to three months now. Um, so for me, I, I'd like to wake up in the morning and have a, what we call a devotional life. So, so I open yeah. my Bible, have a little quiet time with the Lord. Um, but I found myself, you know, like 20, 30 pounds overweight, eating really bad, never working out. So I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be tired right away. I'd already be tired before the day started, yeah. let alone in mid-afternoon when I you know, really yeah. got exhausted. And so I found out that as I started working out, like my mornings were more fresh, my mind was more alert. Um, I, I just felt better about myself as right. a human So I, I think that's what I'm thinking about, the connection between faith and, okay. uh, you know, like, like, like not, not that, uh, not, not that the, you know, like I don't feel like super spiritual when I'm doing curls, but, right. but doing curls, Later on in the day, when I'm, if I go for a walk, my mind is fresher, I'm more alert, I have more energy, so therefore I'm able to give myself to, to my craft of right. whether it be preaching or whatever better. So you know, I'm, I'm real thankful for that. And I really advocate for that as well, that, that people of faith don't compartmentalize to such a degree that you know, like 1 Thessalonians 5, 7, 23 says we're made to be whole, uh, fully uh, spirit, soul, and body. And, and many uh, believers sort of just take the spirit part, like, oh, my spirit, maybe my soul will get a little soul care, but body, you know, like that's not important. And, and God says, yeah. no, spirit, soul, and body, and, and all three, three elements are put together. So you, you, when you help somebody, I think, in, in their body, you're helping somebody in their mind, you're helping somebody. See, that's, yeah. that's how I live my life. Yeah. So when I hear stuff like that, it's almost like I need to remind myself. Because I don't know what it's like to not be in shape. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My whole life. It's not fun, I can tell you. <laughs> my whole life has been about staying in shape. Wow. And, you know, you work hard when you're young to get up to a certain level. And then you ask yourself questions. Is this where I want to be? Yeah. Is this good enough? And then it becomes maintenance. Well, to me, I'm always still trying to go up. So you're not, you don't get you don't always, go to maintenance. You, it keeps me engaged. Yeah, it keeps yeah. me involved. Um, if I get an injury, it might set me back a little bit, but the mentality is I'm going to be working out the rest of my life. I don't, I actually don't understand people that don't have that component of their life. It's such a small price to pay. Right. If you think about it, there's what, 168 hours in a week, right? Right. And all you need is a good three hours a week to mm. work out. Mm. And so I don't, I don't judge people. I don't, I don't, I just don't understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? So a lot of people, um, 
they'll see me in the grocery store and maybe they trained with me in the past and maybe they've uh -huh. put back on 10 pounds or 20 pounds or maybe their grocery cart has <laughs> a bunch of crap in yeah. it and they're like trying to hide it from me, you know? Yeah. So, um, to me, I don't, I don't get that. And they, and they always say, you know, now don't judge me, you know, and they mm -hmm. give you excuses for what's in their cart. Yeah. Or they say, I know you're thinking I'm fat right now. And I'm just going, man, I don't even, yeah. that's not my, I don't think that way. When I look at a person, let's say they're 50 pounds overweight or 100 pounds overweight. In my mind, I'm thinking of what they look like without all that on there. Yeah. How can I help them? I'm not sitting there judging them going, boy, you've really let yourself go. Or you're mm -hmm. really fat. Yeah. Well, I don't think like that, you know. I always think, I, I'm kind of weird. I Everything goes back to, you know, uh, my superhero days. Right? <laughs> I do, I still think like that. I always look at people and, and I think of what the Spartan version of them would yeah. look like. Yeah. Not the bodybuilder version or the, you know, I, I always think of people how they look leaned out and muscular. Mm -hmm. That's how I think everybody should be. Yeah. And if they don't want to be, that's fine. I, I don't judge people, right. you know what I mean? That's not what I, where I'm coming from, but um, especially in the church, um, people who pray all the time, they've got their spiritual down. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've been going through counseling and working on their emotional or their mental, right. to completely ignore yeah. the physical, right. like does not compute with me. Yeah. It's spirit, soul, and body. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's such a small price to pay to be able to take that's care of your really body. Good point. That now really I say that, that's just the exercise portion. Of course, there's the other 23 hours of the day. Yeah. That's what people are putting in their, in their mouths. Yeah. And you can't just pray away. Right. You can't pray away poor nutrition no, and, no. and well, again, la lazy lifestyle. I'm coming from a, again, like you we know. were talking earlier, coming from a pastoral background. <laughs> there was Duke University did a study and they said 80% of Pastors are either obese or overweight. Eighty percent. That's and that's in the U.S. I, I know the that's numbers are pretty, pretty yeah. high too. And Absolutely. Because so, you know we tend to spend all our time in the office and, like I said, counseling people and in the pulpit and studying for preparing and things like that. So or, you know driving to the hospital to visit people. And most walking you get is like from your car to the to the hospital. So it's a yeah. I have it's a big thing, problem with uh, that. Yeah. It's very hard for me to learn from or glean from a pastor mm -hmm. who is living a lifestyle that is completely, in my mind, you know, like, I, I, it's hard for me to, I like listening to the pastors that work out. Yeah, yeah. Pastor Paul, uh, Victory Church yeah. in North Carolina, in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. That guy works out, he's great. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you can just tell. Yeah. You know, he's got yeah. a balance going on. If you. Uh, the guy from Life Church, uh, Craig, Craig Rochelle, Rochelle. Yeah. Stephen guys Furtick, work at Stephen, Stephen Furtick. Furtick. Yeah, these guys look. I, I like these guys. Now, I'm not saying you got. But they might be, be like, taking steroids. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I'm no. joking. <laughs> no, those guys are, are, and you don't even have to work out that much. Yeah. But it's a language that I understand when you when you go through forced hardship yeah. on purpose, like in a gym, in a workout. Yeah. You're going to develop skills, and you're going to learn things through the hardship that definitely apply to real life yeah period yeah okay um i can't i can't tell me tell you how many times there's carryover right that's right so when you've got somebody that you know you've got a man i you know sorry to blow your podcast on <laughs> but if you've got a 300 pound pastor up there right sweating wheezing 
and I can think of a handful mm-hmm. right off the bat. Um, I just can't. I can't glean from. I can't. Yeah. I can't hear what they're saying when they're telling me how I need to be yeah. living as a Christian. It's hard for me, it's man. It's hard. Yeah. You know? it's, uh, that's not judging them. It's just no. like, man. And it's not that they don't deserve to be on the platform. If, yeah. if God called them to be on the platform, that's great. Yeah. But if they're if they're completely ignoring the physical, mm-hmm. how can that? How can they be right. in a well, position it's, it's, to be telling me it, how to discipline? Right. Them, like, Isn't it the same thing? Like if we're talking about spirit, soul, and body, if a pastor looks at somebody and say, like, and that guy's like, uh, you know, he must be at the gym four hours a day. He's totally in shape, but but you know he has no spiritual life. And, and they'd look at that and say, like, man, that guy really needs a spiritual life. Well, the opposite's true as well. Uh, you know, I think a pastor or a Christian yeah. leader or a missionary or whatever, you know, people right. that uh, do that. And so, you know, I know I'm a pastor here. You have a couple other guys here that are pastors, and we kind of get together and comment on how effective it's been for us. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.